0: And I invite real people to have vulnerable conversations about how they relate to themselves and what we can learn from that. In today's episode, I have a conversation with Anna. Or was it with one of her parts? Enjoy. Hello dear Anna, it's so wonderful of you to be here, and when I say here, I actually me literally mean here because you are here with me in the Re- Relating to Self podcast studio, <laughs> also known as my living room. Welcome.
1: Hi Joachim, it's very nice to be here.
0: So if I remember correctly, and I'm often wrong, so correct me if that's the case. We were introduced by my very good friend Troy who was in the podcast twice in season one, once for a normal conversation about relating to self, and then the second time he came back and he asked me a bunch of questions about how I relate to myself, which was really interesting. And then, I don't exactly remember when that was, but at some point he told me about this woman who lived in Geneva, that he was in the uh, Sex Homework Society with, of Hanin, who was episode one of season one. And I remember him telling me about you in terms of like, oh my God, she loves your podcast. She's like your number one fad. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, that's so interesting. And then, yeah, we were introduced and then we started to have some conversations. And then later this year, uh, we met for the first time when I was in Geneva. And that was a a wonderful experience to be ill in your
1: apartment.
0: (laughs) But so, yes. And now um, I've asked you if you wanted to be on a podcast. And you said yes. And that makes me very happy.
1: Yeah, I think that's correct. Uh, I think we were introduced by Troy. And it's quite interesting also because I think that before we had our first conversation, probably via video call or something like this, I had an impression that I, already kind of like knew some of the things about you because i listened to quite a few episodes on the podcasts and that's how i met you for the first time and i remember also i think i asked a question on a facebook group something about what do you think about uh menstrual leave or do you know any companies who offer menstrual leave and i remember you replied in the comments i do this in my company and i was like oh wow very nice interesting someone actually does it and I'm definitely a big fan of uh, Relating to Self podcast. I started my year 2021 by thinking that I would love to be more kind to myself. And um, yeah, finding a resource where actually people talk about how do they relate to themselves and what are the challenges that they maybe come across trying to improve this relationship is, was very, very nice to, to discover and to find this community.
0: Beautiful. And that means that you're thinking about this way before the podcast even started. I think I recorded my first episode in March of this year. So, wow. Yeah, and it's nice of you to remind me of this post on Facebook about the menstrual leave. I kind of forgot about that. And I remember saying that even though we don't have this directly, um, my employees can take off whenever they want for whatever reason they never have to explain themselves they never have to give me any kind of official documents i just trust that you know if they want to take a day off because they feel terrible because of their menstruation or anything else that's totally okay for me I'm, I'm i'm concerned with their happiness and with their well-being so that's kind of like what i what i try to do that's wonderful so You mentioned that you wanted to be kinder to yourself in the beginning of this year. That was kind of like an idea that was present in your mind. I'm really curious where that idea came from. Was it because you noticed that you were being unkind to yourself? Or were you inspired by some external source? Did you read a book or did you hear someone speak about this? Like, where where did that idea originate?
1: I'm trying to remember where I was uh, in the beginning of last year. And uh, I, I have just quit my job in a startup, and actually, it was my first experience in outside of the university, and it was kind of my first real professional experience apart from the internships. And it was a very interesting experience because this experience allowed me to understand that I have some troubles with boundaries. Actually, I don't know where my boundaries are. I didn't even know that my boundaries existed, that I had any boundaries. And I noticed that there are a lot of things that I'm doing, that I'm allowing and uh, I'm doing to myself that are actually lead to some suffering and they lead, they are not kind. So I think leaving, leaving this uh, job and allowing myself to have a few months without a need to work was one of my first steps in being kinder to myself and actually even just allowing myself not to work seemed like a kind decision. And I wanted more of it. I wanted to know where this would lead me.
0: Hmm. So it sounds like it was really from an experience that you had being in this job that maybe wasn't suitable for you because you didn't know how to express your boundaries. And I'm curious if that was the first time that you experienced that lack of boundaries or did you have a felt sense? That that was something you struggled with in the past as well, without maybe being able to do something about it?
1: No, I think it was the first realization that, oh my God, I don't know how to say no. Mm. And I think it was the first situation where maybe I was doing something that I didn't really enjoy. And before it were the things that I was kind of enjoying, so it was okay to suffer for something that I enjoy and to cross my boundaries. But there it was not possible anymore, just for my body and for my mind. Yeah, so I think it was the first, the very first time I actually I was conscious about the fact that, yes, I do have boundaries.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's so beautiful what you mentioned about, I think, a narrative that exists in society everywhere, that it's okay to suffer for something that you like or something that you desire. Right? You have a, for me that was music, <laughs> I, yeah, I was obsessed by music, I lived music, and so as long as I was pursuing a career as a musician, I suffered. But I thought that was just part of the deal. Mm. And I didn't even know about boundaries or, you know, what that meant or anything like that. So it's really interesting to see that you then deconstructed that narrative in some way by having a, an experience that allowed you to feel in your body that you wanted to change that. Like you wanted kindness. That's so beautiful.
1: Yes, yes. And um, I'm thinking also like this interesting experience in terms of boundaries. Yes, so experience this sort of Burnout at work was one of the things. But also I remember so I have a I have a background in classical dancing. So I was doing classical dancing since I was five until maybe sixteen. And it's a very rough environment where it's actually very normal to uh to suffer, to to be very perfectionist and to constantly overcome the boundaries of your body, so override the boundaries. And I remember starting uh yoga classes with uh, this beautiful teacher in Neuchâtel where I was working Neuchâtel in Switzerland and she would always say you you should go try not to to go at 100% go like 80% or something like this and i was still going like 120% and then i was like oh she's keeps saying about it why? What if I try <laughs> to go eighty percent? It was so beautiful, and since then I also said, like, oh, oh my God, it's like I actually felt it in my body that I don't have to go one hundred ten or one hundred twenty percent, or even one hundred percent. I can just go eighty percent, and that's totally fine, and it's actually beautiful.
0: Mm. Do you feel that that experience at that yoga place was something that? helped you discover that this was also true for other areas of life? Because I imagine it's not just about the body, not just about how, how much you stretch, but it's also about your mind. It's about how you interact with other people, how much you allow them to run over you or not. So how did that yoga experience then create a similar kind of attitude in, in the other areas of your life?
1: I think it's very tangible to to experience something with your body. I think maybe that's how I work. If I experience something with my body, then it's very easy for me to project it to other areas of my life. So I'm like, oh, I can experience this with my body so I can experience it also in my work or I can experience it with my friends or I can experience this elsewhere.
0: That's fascinating. That's so beautiful. And yeah, that reminds me of something that I have had trouble with in the course of my life. I wasn't very connected to the body. Most of the stuff was happening in my mind. So I think I took the opposite path. I kind of like understood this first from like a rational perspective perhaps. And then much later only started to feel it in my body through a lot of exercise and ecstatic dance and stuff like that. But that's so beautiful that you, you mentioned this, that it's through the body that it allows you to learn new things and then to apply it in in other areas.
1: Yeah. I notice also that it happens a lot when I hike. I bring so much lessons learned when I'm hiking that I learned through my body.
0: Wow. I'm curious if there is any like, body practice that you have, because well, one of the things that I keep coming back to in the podcast is that practices, like daily practices, help us tremendously on this path of healing. So I'm curious if you have like a, a body practice that helps you discover these new things about yourself.
1: Mm. So yeah, I think one of them is hiking, definitely. And that's where I learn a lot about the boundaries and the limitations of my body, but also how strong my body can be and um, how alive it can be. Then there is uh, another practice that I started recently and I love doing it. It's been maybe one month and a half that I'm doing it. It's uh, cold showers that I do every (laughs) morning. (laughs) And to me, it's the practice that allows me to expose myself to controlled amounts of stress and to be present to this controlled amount of stress and to know that my body can, can do it. My body is capable of doing this. And while giving this uh, controlled amount of stress, it's also consensual for my body. My body knows what's going to happen next. And uh, yeah, I think there is also like, it's a a lot about the chemical cocktail of the body after this uh, cold shower exposure that is very, very pleasant. Mm, Other practice, body practice, I think um, what is very, very interesting for me is, yeah, I think I, I would say sex is one of the things that where I definitely can practice my boundaries and This is something that I learned in Hanin's class, Sex, Homeless Society, the consent, and checking in with the needs and desires. And I think in this area, it's something that is very tangible. So I can then also explore it and then transpose it to other areas of my life.
0: Hmm, Beautiful. I love it. I'm curious how this is for you, because when I reflect on this for me, Sex is definitely one of the most difficult ones, not just because, you know, there's taboos around it and it's difficult to to approach, but also because it's for me, it's not a pure relating to self practice because there's someone else, right? So it becomes also relating to other, it becomes holding my boundaries, not just with myself and for myself, but towards someone else. While, f- while trying to figure out what my desires are, or trying to figure out what the other person wants, if they're not clear about it. And that makes it a lot more difficult for me than as a, as a relating to self practice, right? So I'm curious how, how you approach that. Um, is it something that you name and becomes explicit in in a sex practice? Do you speak to your partner about like, hey, this for me is some kind of a, body practice in relating to self and these are the things that's important to me in this? Or is it something that happens more organically? How, how do you practice that?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think what's very important for me in this practice is always coming back to my experience. Always coming back to what what is real in my body at that moment and also connecting to my desires and to my needs. and Um, I'm thinking that it's actually, it is relating to self-practice, but it is possible in the presence of the other because there are some inputs from the outside world that maybe I cannot uh, have otherwise. Um, Yes, and I think, um, so you asked me, how do I communicate Uh, about it with the partner, right? Is is that correct? If
0: you communicate about the fact that for you this is part of your practice, that it's not just, you know, you're not just engaging in sex because it's pleasurable or because it's something that you desire with this person, you named it as a body practice that you have for yourself, right? So, I'm curious if you talk about this with your partner.
1: I don't think so. I don't think I have ever expressed it in this way to anyone. Yeah.
0: Mm, That's really interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah but i'm I'm very very I appreciate a lot a lot of communication where actually having a space where I can uh express these desires and a space where I can constantly come back to my experience. but it's true, I think I have never expressed uh that this is also a self uh, relating to self practice for me to to wow. any of my partners yeah beautiful. Thank you so much for this insight.
0: yeah, thank you well yeah it's, I think it would be really interesting to explore that and and to see how that impacts the experience for also for the other person, right?
1: Yeah. And like actually, it's I'm also thinking about it. It's like, oh, it means that the other person is helping me to better relate to, to myself. And this would be actually beautiful to express it to the other.
0: Yeah, I think I agree.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well. Okay, so I would like to go back a few steps, because now we've, we've talked about a few things that I think are of how you relate to yourself. And you've named that for you, learning about yourself often comes from the body, and you talked about the few body practices that you have. But I'm actually curious as to, in general, when you think about relating to self, what does that mean to you? Like what is the significance of this in your life?
1: Can you please repeat this question?
0: Mm. Yeah, so I'm curious when you hear, or when we speak now about relating to self as a concept, what does that mean exactly to you?
1: Mm. Like
0: the, the things we've spoken about now were kind of like examples of specific ways in which you relate to yourself. But when you think about the general concept, how do I relate to myself? What place did I stake in your life and, and how do you relate to that concept?
1: Yeah, so when I, when I think of relating to self, I think what comes to my mind is listening to what is happening (laughs) what are the feelings that what are the sensations in my body that are present at the moment how am i speaking to myself right now (laughs) What, what is it that i'm experiencing am i experiencing anger am i experiencing sadness am i experiencing joy fear anxiety where where do i find it in my body and what what does it mean and then I think I'm thinking, I'm trying to to go deeper and I try to think, oh, what is the part of myself? Like what, where does it come from? What does this part needs? What does this part desires? Yeah. So I think it's about listening and being aware of what's happening in there. And this is the first thing.
0: And then you mentioned parts, like you said, which, which part of myself is speaking this or... What does this part need or something? Um, When you think about these parts, uh, do you have a particular framework that you use for this?
1: Uh, Yes. In the beginning of this year, I actually noticed that there are, I kind of sense that there are two parts. There is a part that is the angry and the violent Anna. And then there is the soft and the gentle and like the, the vulnerable Anna. And then actually Troid shared with me um, this framework called internal family systems. Uh, it's a framework that uh, treats, um, treats uh, us as a collection of different parts and uh, uh, these parts interact. And um, I think the, the goal is to find a place where all of these parts are agree with each other, and they are in equilibrium, and they, they are moving in in similar, like, they are they, happy with each other.
0: Mm, I like that. The parts are happy with each other. Yeah, and so in journal family systems, I, IFS has been mentioned in season one a couple of times. Um, Hanin spoke about it, I think. Uh, also Rebecca spoke about it. And it's something that I haven't explored in depth myself. I, I'm aware of the framework and um i've actually practiced an ifs session once with with hanin because hanin was doing her Mm -hmm. degree in in ifs therapy and so i don't know much about it maybe you could just for the people listening um tell a bit more about what ifs actually looks like if you'd be willing to share
1: Oh my God, I love this framework so much. So I I also started the sessions with the IFS therapist this September and I find it transformative. Uh, So in a way that the therapist guides me to a place that is very deep. (laughs) Uh, Starting maybe from... From, yeah, starting from a sensation in the body, starting from a sensation in the body and, um, the emotion that I'm feeling right now or something that bothers me in the, mo- in the moment or something that is maybe uncomfortable or a paradox or a conflict, internal conflict that I'm experiencing. And then peeling, peeling off the layers and going back to the maybe very early, very early, um, moment when, when Actually, the thing that bothers me was born <laughs> uh, or when it happened, happened for the first time. And um, on the way there, there will be maybe some other parts that are interfering with the process and not letting me get to the the part that actually got triggered. So kind of asking the other parts to, to step away and to give access to this part that, that felt triggered or felt bothered and then getting into the place where I experienced compassion, understanding, love towards this part. And um, it's, it's extremely powerful practice to me. And I'm not sure I would be able to do it on my own.
0: Hmm. Well, interesting. that was going to be my next question. I can imagine in a context of doing therapy that this is very powerful and beautiful. But then I'm curious, how do you do that when you're on your own? Say, you know, you are somewhere at work or whatever, and you feel triggered or some part of you feels triggered. Is there some kind of a self-regulation, self-regulation practice that you have in the moment that it happens that uses IFS as a framework to kind of like bring yourself back to a more grounded state? Or do you have another practice for those kind of moments?
1: yeah actually it's a very good question now i notice that probably it's not entirely true because that i maybe i would start self-regulating by asking me myself similar questions that the therapist asks me like "Mm, what's going on there what it is that you feel uh where is it in your body what does this part need like um And just like becoming aware of it, right? And then the interesting thing is also, I think, the more I I, um, explore this practice, the more more I'm becoming aware of different archetypes, of different characters that are present in in the collection of my characters. And then I continue relating to them um, when they get triggered. I know them, I'm getting to know them already. So I know how to to, um, relate with them. And there are also, oh my God, this is so uh, interesting. There are some some practices that I had. There are some places where I took these characters, safe places where I took them during my IFS sessions. And I keep coming back to the safe places. I keep uh, reviving this experience that I had in the IFS session outside of the sessions. So, for example, there is one of the archetypes that is a queen. And sometimes she gets detroned (laughs) and i know what to do with her i know that she likes to go to this magic lake and she she likes to bathe there and that's her safe place and every time she goes out of this lake she's queen again and i can continue with my day
0: (laughs) oh wow that's so beautiful so it sounds like you have a A narrative for some of those characters to kind of put them at ease again like the the magical lake where this queen goes to bathe it's kind of like a story and so do you actually then in the moment that your queen gets triggered or gets dethroned as you call it do you then actively imagine that story about her going to the lake or how does that work
1: oh yes 100 percent. and sometimes so i live very close by geneva lake so sometimes i even make it the experience more intense and um I go to a magical place, like the place where I feel very good and that is very beautiful by the lake. And I sit there and I imagine the queen going and, uh, swimming in. Like sometimes I just go for a swim and, <laughs> and the problem is solved. Yes. And then there are some other characters. There are some children, for example, that are also, uh, like some some maybe traumas from my childhood, yeah. And um, in the therapy session, I brought them home, there were two children, I brought them home and they, they are playing at my home. So sometimes when they get triggered, like these parts of me get triggered, I imagine that they're still sitting at my home, playing with my uh, lipsticks and perfumes, and um, I'm going to give them some food and they will be very happy. <laughs> so yes, I actively imagine this.
0: Wow, that's so beautiful. I'm fascinated by the influence of spaces on how I feel, on how I perceive myself, on how I relate to myself. And one of the things that I noticed when coming back to Sofia from from my travels this, this summer and autumn was that by entering my space, my living space, where I have cultivated a specific relationship with myself, where I practice my meditation, where I've done my journaling work, where I've done my rituals, all these things. And entering that space again brought me back to a place where it became much easier to be kind and compassionate to myself.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And so I wonder if that's related, because in the end, the the difference between a physical space or a virtual narrative space, where, where your queen goes to bed, it's just a matter of of memory or perception, right? Because if I'm not in my space here and I'm in Lisbon where I was this summer, I could have imagined being in my space. And I wonder if that would have had the same kind of effect as actually being in my space here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's really fascinating to hear. And I love also how you mix the the reality with the story, where <laughs> you then actually <laughs> walk to a lake to make it more more real that almost sounds like a a form of augmented reality of storytelling (laughs) that's that's so wonderful yeah
1: yeah 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 and i think it's it's a lot about like what each of them needs because some of them need safety some of them need to feel more beautiful and uh, desirable Uh, some of them need to feel more connected to others so it's depending on what it is that they need what is the place that feels good for them will change actually the the setting of the thing that i imagine in my head Mm.
0: i'm curious what your perspective is on let's call it the the you that makes decisions the you that perceives all these parts and that maybe gives these parts what they need right and I'm curious if you have a thought around what that is, like, do you see that as another part of yourself? And if so, what is that part? Or is it perhaps something more like an observer or, or like a higher self? I've heard some people call it like, what's your framework for, for you, the Anna that's now here with me in this conversation versus all these parts that you have?
1: I'm not sure if the Anna who is here in this conversation is the higher self or it's rather (laughs) a part. (laughs) I would rather say maybe it's a part. (laughs) One of the parts. Uh, Yeah, but I think I see what you mentioned when you say in the higher self. And I feel that when I'm in this place of the higher self relating to all of these parts, in the body it feels like it feels very nice and spacious and my breath is slow and my heart beats not very fast and overall it feels relaxed so i'm not triggered um and the higher self relates to to the all the different parts with with a sense of compassion and i would call it even unconditional love so the higher self is very kind to all of them So it's a place of kindness and compassion, I would say. And sometimes I think it's, for me, it's easy to confuse the higher self with one of the parts. So when I'm actually trying to scan my body or like what's going on, for example, I'm feeling anxious, what's going on? Uh, it could be not from the place of a higher self, but it could be from a place of the one of the parts. And sometimes I hear some judgment, for example, or I hear some anger, and that's how I know that it's not from the place of self, the higher self, because the higher self relates to all of the parts with compassion and kindness.
0: Mm, I like that. And I'm really curious if we could dive into one of the things you said that seems very interesting to me. You said that you're not sure that it's like the higher self being here with me in this interview. (laughs) So I'm really very curious. It's like live relating to self from Anna. Like, if you are a part of Anna, which part are you? And, you know, why are you here?
1: It's a very difficult question. (laughs) (laughs) I think think this definitely shows, like, how much time it actually takes for me and how difficult it is for me to relate to myself and to... um, to to scan uh, and to like oh what's going on in there <laughs> yeah so I think I think it's definitely one of the parts and maybe it's one of the parts that is uh, it's a sort of striver uh, it's like oh it seems so kind of like it's it's not like your most comfortable environment right but it could be so interesting to explore how like how you will be in this environment. So let's do it. Let's, let's talk about relating to self. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's, it's one of these striver's parts mm. that is very present at the moment.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. I have to say, I've often thought about this myself as well, where since this is a podcast and I'm putting this out in the world, I'm curious as to how performative this is for me. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure if if I have this desire to show up in a certain way or if I can just allow myself to be here. And um, yeah, in the end, I don't think I always need an answer necessarily to be able to move forward because uh, I'm I'm very much a fan of just doing things and putting stuff out there and, and seeing where it goes, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's a good question and I, I honor your response very much. Yeah, I hear you. Anna. I'm also curious about... Um, what maybe still is difficult for you in, in your relationship with yourself. Because it sounds like from the point that you decided you wanted to be kinder to yourself, you've made a lot of steps. You've made a lot of progress in holding your boundaries, in tuning into your body, feeling what's real for you, in, in honouring your truth, in, in speaking your truth to people. So is there any area of the relating to self that you feel is still particularly difficult?
1: Everything you're hearing. <laughs> Everything is still very <laughs> like I need. I need to be very, very attentive to everything that is happening. Something that is extremely difficult for me is desires. Um, there are. I notice that there are some desires that are very easy for me to express, and there are some of the desires that I'm not even aware of. I I, I cannot even say like what it is that I want. I. And it's as if there was something blocking. And I, I noticed, uh, I, I had an insight recently that there are some of the desires. I need to be in a certain state to be able to, to let these desires uh, come to the surface and be noticeable <laughs> even. So this is the part that is very di- difficult. Boundaries, I think still, I'm I'm still kind of drawing the map of how my boundaries look like and it changes and I'm learning a lot about the boundaries. Um, Yeah. And then there is this whole um, thing that is extremely, that I became aware also this year that there is a part, like there is a, there is something I'm striving to towards, the version of me that I'm striving towards um the version of me that that has all of these characteristics that I would love to have and I'm striving towards this right but then there is also the version of me that is currently here sitting in front of you Joachim that is not perfect and um even though I'm even though I'm striving towards all of this very often I will not be able to act out of this incredible version of myself because there are still so many things that are difficult for me and that are triggering me. And yeah, I will be triggered. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, when you say you're still drawing the map of your boundaries and you're still learning about these things, um, how do you do that? Do you absorb specific materials? Are there people helping you with this? Like what is your process for improving your relationship to yourself?
1: So I think it's, it's a lot through Relationships that I have with others, because I feel like if I'm just isolated in some sort of like perfect world w- where there are no triggers and, um, it's all wonderful, then how can I even learn about my boundaries, right? I need some inputs from the outside to, to see, oh, this thing triggers me. This thing is not okay. So I need others and I need experiences and I need, um, I need situations to, to draw this, this kind of map. Uh, so I think one of the things that is very, and also spaces where I can feel what it feels, how does it feel to, to feel completely safe? How does it feel to feel completely comfortable? How does this place feel like? And there are some of the relationships that I have with my friends, for example, where it feels more, uh, very safe and very consensual and very beautiful. And I take this, um, the f- the feeling that I have in my body in this kind of relationship as a data point, that then I will, as a benchmark, that then I will compare it to other experiences. So to to notice, oh, in this kind of situation or with this kind of person, I don't feel the same way as I feel, for example, with my friends Gabi and Raël, for instance. So probably this is a no, or this is where my boundary is crossed. So, mm, so I should say no to this. Uh, yeah, so I think it's It's a lot about the benchmarking and needing to have different inputs and different situations to put myself in.
0: Mm, That's that's so interesting and very different from my process, I think, which is why I find it interesting. In the sense that for me, when I think about improving my relationship with myself, there is so much data already present in me so i don't feel like i need any new situations or interactions with people if i just close my eyes and focus on like hey why do i feel tension in a certain part of my body or where did i have this why did i have this strange dream about insert random character from my past then invariably all kinds of things will come up inside of my mind that i already mm-hmm. carry in me that are like a lot of material to parse through to then notice like oh yes in that situation, I wasn't able to express my boundaries, or I didn't, or I didn't even know what I wanted, or I didn't Mm. know that I was hurting. And so by just continuously going through that database of experiences that I already have, I feel there's still plenty of material that I have to work through.
1: Beautiful. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, so you're using your past experiences to learn. Like you you have already your database (laughs) where I am like kind of needing... To, to create my real-time database <laughs> for these ex- kind of experiences. Interesting. Yeah, and, no. and
0: I guess it's, it's related to the fact that when you say you're still creating benchmarks, basically, by yeah. seeing how you feel towards friends and then how you maybe feel different to some other people. Mm-hmm. And I guess for now, I already have my benchmarks. Mm-hmm. I kind of know what it feels mm-hmm. like to be connected to myself, to be in self-consent, to be clear on my boundaries and all these things. And then, so I can now look at my past and I can remember things and mm. then compare them to my current benchmark mm-hmm. and then see like, aha, yes, there was a problem here. And then maybe try to heal that part of me in the past that was going through that by some of the rituals that I that I engage in.
1: Beautiful. Yeah, so it looks to me that... Yeah, that you are in a place where you you have already all of these things, so you're you're kind of like stable and grounded. And for me, I feel like I'm still in such a process of learning. I'm I'm learning every day. Every day I learn something new. There is some new insight that comes, and like oh, I didn't know that. But like I'm still not managing this at all. And like it's it's like a new data point into my collection. Yeah, I'm still figuring out my benchmarks, I think, and really drawing my map of like what it is to to. How do I want to feel like what it is to be Anna?
0: Yeah. And I want to be clear that when you say I'm probably already stable and grounded, like that's (laughs) definitely not the case all the time. Uh, I think that's luckily now most of my time is spent in that kind of state, but definitely while interacting with others in the world, um, yeah, I mean, I get triggered. There's lots of stuff happening that I don't know about, that I'm not sure about, where Mm -hmm. circumstances in which I don't know what I want. It's one of my big things. So yeah, I definitely still keep learning also from my experiences in the world. Right?
1: I'm curious, actually, when you speak about tensions that arise, is it something that arises following some external stimuli or is it something, the tension that arises just like out of nowhere? How does it happen?
0: It can absolutely be both. And I have a theory. That I don't know if it's true or not, but I have a theory that most of the tensions that I experience are actually historical, and current experiences remind me of those historical not healed situations. Mm. So when I encounter people that behave in a certain way, I don't know these people, these people don't know me, You know, it's very strange that these people would have a very strong influence on how I feel. Mm-hmm. So whenever I feel that something's happening there, I tend to believe that this is because Something in my past resonates with this experience, and that was not healed mm-hmm. or that was not clear, and so the tension comes from the past, and then arises in the present. But then, of course, there are still circumstances in the present that are new, mm-hmm. newly created tensions, right? Mm-hmm. That can also exist. So, I think it's definitely both.
1: I love it because I think it's also the way the way I kind of represented in my mind that oh, every tension and every trigger is yeah something that. That maybe happened to me in the past that is not healed and like I'm triggered oh my god this is so cool because (laughs) like this is something I didn't know yet that this kind of thing can trigger me so oh I can learn something about myself what is here (laughs) what is happening inside let's see oh (laughs) yeah
0: beautiful yeah I really like this approach of taking the opportunity to learn from moments that most people would try to avoid or run away from <laughs> like you know most people if they're triggered they they numb themselves or they just like push it away and i guess what you say is is the opposite of that you you embrace it and you go like oh what can i learn from this and that's such a beautiful perspective
1: yeah i think to be entirely true like this is maybe speaking from my my, my ideal self right <laughs> like this is how i would love to always relate to my triggers but what happens very often is that I'm numbing myself and, uh, I'm just feeling like shitty and I'm doing something else just not to, to see it. Um, Mm. but, uh, yeah, I, I would love to reach at uh, at some point, at least 90% of the times where I'm feeling this way towards the triggers in reality.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much, Anna. As we come to the end of this conversation, uh, I would like to maybe first give you the opportunity to ask anything that comes up for you right now, which is something I never really thought about in the past, but it seems like a good idea. Is there anything that you feel like sharing or or asking?
1: Yeah, I would love to ask you what was uh, the last thing that triggered you and how did you navigate it?
0: Ooh, juicy question. The last thing that triggered me was actually an exchange I'm having with Troy. <laughs> <laughs> to come to come back to our introduction, Troy works for me and, and with me, and we've been going through, let's say, a transformation of sorts in in how I see the leadership of the business and how I see my role and his role. And that was a very difficult process for both of us. And I think. We've been navigating that beautifully, with so much grace and so much compassion for ourselves and each other. But at the same time, of course, triggers came up all the time, I think, for for (laughs) both of us, where we're both, I think, in the end, uh, well, I don't know, I can speak only for myself, but I'm I'm afraid of losing Troy, right? So whenever I express a truth that feels like this is dangerous, because if I express this truth, this other person in this relationship may decide to end the relationship or to mm-hmm. or to modify it severely in a way that i don't want and so to speak these kind of truths requires a lot of courage and a lot of non-attachment to outcome and i can't say that i always have that non-attachment to outcome fully so that i noticed like i was i was triggered by speaking my truth and then i was also triggered by his responses which also came from a place where he was triggered and so on so that's very present because that was just in the past days for me right and then as to your question how do i deal with that i i think the the most important part is that i realize where it comes from right so i i know that these triggers are a result of the way i have not fully healed my traumas from the past uh, and the the parts of me that are fearful of certain things i know that this is not troy's fault or you know i I don't blame it on troy i don't project his behavior as being the problem i just take responsibility i'm like oh yes i feel these fears and then i the second part is that i try to express these i will speak to Troy and i'll say hey I would like to express I have these tensions or I have these fears. This is where I think they come from. This is how this relates to us and our situation right now. And I think doing that consistently and then providing space for the other to do the same takes care of like almost all of the all of that problem. Mm-hmm. But yeah, beautiful question. Uh, whew, quite, quite <laughs> vulnerable also, so oh, that feels nice. Thank you, Anna.
1: Thank you so much for sharing.
0: I would love to ask you one more question. Traditionally, I will end with my question. Was there a question that you would have loved to answer, but that I did not ask you?
1: Mm. Something that comes to my mind that I would love maybe to share, but you didn't, I didn't uh, have a chance to share and maybe like... This I don't know what the question would be, but um, I was so anxious in the past week and I was anxious about a lot of things that I cannot control, unfortunately. And the phrase came to my mind, I think, that Tim Ferriss said multiple times in, in his podcast that is, we suffer more in our imagination than in reality. And uh, yeah, I would have loved to have an opportunity to, to say it once again, to remind myself that I suffer most often in my imagination than in reality. And I suffer over things that I cannot control. I have zero control over these things. I cannot change anything about them.
0: Beautiful. I love that thought. Thank you for sharing, Anna. And thank you so much for showing up and for being present in this conversation. I very much enjoyed it.
1: Mm, I enjoyed it too. Thank you so much.
0: One more thing before we uh, switch off. Where can people reach you? Or do you have some kind of social media presence, a website? If people want to have
1: conversations with you, where can they go? Mm, I just created my Instagram page. I have one publication. <laughs> <laughs> I unfortunately don't remember my <laughs> the name of my account. So this could be an, a place then uh, on LinkedIn, Anna Vibranova, and also Facebook. Yeah, so this is the place where people can reach me, yes.
0: Great. I will make sure to get the links from you after this call, and then I can post them in the comments on the podcast so that people can find you easily.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Anna, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast. You can also read more of my thoughts on Twitter. I will post a link in the description. And if you are interested in improving your relationship with yourself, please subscribe to my email list at relatingtoself.com. I will then send you meditations, rituals, practices, and more of these beautiful conversations. Thanks.